Welcome. Welcome to Legendary. Obedient. Devoted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We are preparing for takeoff, and folks, looks like we're going to be experiencing some turbulence in tonight's flight. So please prepare to turn it up. I've been waiting for this moment for months, and it's finally here. Oh, my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Everybody stay calm. Barely breathing, felt like I was on a deep end. You called me when I was barely breathing. How you love me through the seasons. You saw me, and you came running down a rope with a ring and a rope. I'm redeemed now. You saw me, and Lord, I know you saw me. Yeah. Come on, somebody, tonight. Let's get right into the word. I want to invite up my cousin Isaiah Saldivar. Let's get right into this. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Go take your seat. Go take your seat. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Crank this mic way up, brother. Way up in the monitors, way up on the sound, way up on the everything. Give me some bass. We got this. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise this, this night. How many are here to worship? Come on, real loud on the monitors. How many are here to praise? How many came desperate for God? I don't know about you, but I didn't come, there we go, to play church. I didn't come to play religion. I came to give the devil a black eye tonight. I came with the power, come on real loud, and the fire of Almighty God. I came hungry for revival. I came hungry. I brought a sniper rifle and boxing gloves. How dare you let the devil stop your praise tonight? How dare you let the devil stop your worship? I'm going to praise right through the bondage. I'm going to praise my way out of my chains. I don't, I'm coming down here. Y'all are scaring me tonight. I came with a hunger. I came with a fire. Real loud, in the, real loud, real loud. I came ready for God to do something that's never done before. I didn't come to play patty cake. I didn't come to play Tickle Me Elmo. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of soft, dead religion. I'm tired of going through the motions. I want the fire. I want the power. I want the anointing real loud of almighty God. There is a remnant rising up that's tired of dead religion. Take your seat. There is a remnant rising up that says I will not live in bondage. I will not be satisfied with the status quo of American Christianity. But there is a fire rising up. There is a remnant rising up. There is a passion rising up in the people of God. Devil, you done messed with us far too long. We are not letting you have your way any longer. But I believe tonight there is an alarm going off in the spirit. I believe tonight, give me some bass in here. I believe tonight that there is a trumpet sounding. That God is waking up his church. That there is an end time army. 
Am I at the right place? Am I at St. Anthony's or Rise Conference? There is an end time army that is rising up in these last days. And I'm going to praise and give the devil a fever. See, Jesus said, if you don't worship and if you don't praise, then the rocks will cry out to me. I will not let the parking lot out praise me. I will not let the parking lot out shout me. I don't know about you, but God has done too much for me to give him a half-hearted praise tonight. God has done too much for me to give him a half-hearted worship. Some of you might say it don't take all that. It does if you knew where God brought me from. I remember the hell that God brought me out of. And you better believe I'm not praising for the 49ers greater than I praise for God. I'm not praising. I used to praise at the bar. I used to praise at the club. You used to gang bang and be out there all loyal for the gang and the club. And tonight, we're not praising for a club. We're not praising for a gang. We're not shouting for a bunch of grown men that are wearing tight pants, chasing pigskin down the field. Real loud, real loud. We are praising for the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher. How dare you try to tell me how to praise? How dare you try to tell me how to worship? I praise because I've been delivered. I praise because I've been set free. I worship because I can. I'm not just worshiping. I'm worshiping. I'm going to battle in the spirit. My worship drops warheads on the enemy. There's a supernatural battle going on right now. Whose side are you on in this house tonight? There is a real war going on in the house of God. There is a real battle, friend. We are in a war. This may be the most serious night of preaching I've ever had because the times that we are living in, this is not time for a nice Jesus loves you campaign. This is not time for a watered down Kool-Aid gospel. This is the time where the people of God need to let their lips become trumpets. This is a jolt moment. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the earth tremble. For the day of the Lord is approaching. Friend, we are living in the last moments of human history. You don't have the luxury to be offended any longer. You don't have the luxury to live in bondage. You don't have the luxury to be a lazy, compromised, complacent Christian. God is drafting his people. God is marking his all. Come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. God is calling his people to the front lines of the battle. There is a war going on in the spirit. The Bible says that we are in a Coslet Mick wrestling match, that there is a wrestling match going on right now as I preach in the heavenly realm. Let me just give you a news flash because Sunday school messed this up. The devil is not in hell. The devil's hell, hell is not the devil's home. Hell is a place that was made for those that reject the God and for the devil to go eternally and his angels. It's the devil's destination, not the devil's address. Are y'all hearing me tonight? 
tonight. There is not one Bible verse that says the devil lives in hell. There's not one Bible verse that says the devil's in hell right now. The Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. In fact, Jesus said he is the prince of demons. He is the adversary of your soul. He rules from the heavenly realms. That's why the Bible says that you've been given power and authority to bind. And what you bind on earth shall be bound in the heavenlies. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in the heavenlies. I used to read that and I thought that's a weird verse because there's no demons in heaven. So why would I bind demons on earth and then God binds the demons in heaven? Why would I loose people on earth and then God looses them in heaven? And I realized it wasn't talking about the third heaven. And this is not in notes, the Holy Spirit speaking to us tonight. It's not the third heaven. It's the realm where the devil rules, which some would call the second heaven. Don't matter what we call it. It's the spiritual realm. And so what you have to understand is that tonight we are not going to battle in the natural. We are not bringing tanks and weapons and missiles. We didn't come with shotguns and pistols. Well, maybe some of you did tonight in Antioch, but we're going to get you saved tonight. But we came with, some of you are like, I didn't, my friend invited me. I didn't know I wasn't allowed to have it. But we came tonight with supernatural weapons. See, the Bible says our weapons are not carnal. You do have weapons. Come on, I, I'm going to say that one more time for my spiritual snipers. You do have weapons, and your weapons are not to be used on your other friends and family that are in the church. Here's why the church is so busy fighting each other. Here's why we're caught up in, oh, I don't know if we should speak in tongues or not. I don't know if demons are real or not. I don't know if you should talk about deliverance. I don't know if you should lay hands on the sick. I don't know if you should be preaching on dreams and visions and experiences with God. I don't know if hell's real, and I don't know if God really has a narrow road anymore. And we've made this watered-down natural gospel, and our weapons are being used on each other. See, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, here's what they do. They bring down strongholds. Strongholds are fortresses or towers that the culture, the enemy, and the world builds in the mind of believers and unbelievers. And the weapons that we have are for shattering the mindsets and the strongholds and the compromise. Are y'all hearing me tonight? And the laziness and the complacency and anxiety and depression. I came to tell somebody that it is not God's will for your life that you live depressed. It is not God's will for your life that you are suicidal. I don't care what any soft pastor says. Suicide is not normal. Depression is not normal. Anxiety is not normal. Fear is a spirit. And God says it's coming out tonight. Devil, I'm putting you on notice. Enough is enough. Get your hands off the people of God real loud. Our weapons are not carnal. Some of you keyboard warriors, God is telling you tonight, our weapons are not carnal. Some of you Facebook theologians, imagine if you spent all the energy and time that we're spending arguing with other churches and other Christians on social media. If we took our weapons and said, I am targeting the enemy's kingdom. I am not a mamsy pamsy soft Christian. I am not going to sit back while the devil ravages my children. I am not going to sit back while the devil ravages my marriage. I 
am not giving the devil lunch. I am not playing games with darkness. Isaiah, why don't you watch that movie? Because I ain't flirting with him. I'm not opening the door to him. I'm not giving place to him. Some of you keep inviting Jezebel over and then you try to rebuke her when she shows up. Some of you are getting your hair cut at Delilah's barbershop and you don't know why you're so this and so that. But today God is saying every demonic power, every demonic force, every influence, and oh, come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. Every stronghold is being broken by the Spirit of God. Y'all are on fire in this house. I might have to come back here, y'all. I was not expecting this. Come on. There's a remnant. They said, oh, Antioch. There's a remnant in Antioch, California that said, devil, you've done messed up. We ain't playing games. I dare you to cross this line. All the other churches might want to play games, but give me a sniper rifle. Give me the armor of God. We are going to war. We're going to battle. Here, here's the thing. The devil's betting on the fact that you're going to stay quiet after tonight. The devil's betting on the fact that you're not going to be a bold Christian and you're not going to lay hands on anyone that's sick and you're not going to cast demons out of anybody and you're not going to preach to anybody and you're not going to baptize anybody and you're not going to disciple anybody and you're never going to have the boldness to raise the dead and the devil keeps yelling at you all week long. Don't be mad that I'm yelling at you for an hour once a week when you've been letting the devil yell at you all week long. I'm telling you, I'm tired of letting the enemy run all over me. Oh no, baby, I've been given the same spirit that raised Christ is living on the inside of me. I've been given all power. And who am I preaching to? And I've been given all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. You've been given power over snakes and scorpions. Now, I wasn't saying go to Arizona and step on scorpions and go out to the field and step on say, God says, I have actually given you power in the spiritual realm. Remember, our focus, according to 2 Corinthians 4.18, is not to focus on the natural realm, but to focus on the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual battle, and there's many people in the church, if you're not aware of the battle going on, again, I had a cute little sermon, three points so cute that I was going to preach. I'm throwing it out because I really feel the fear of the Lord tonight to raise up end time warriors last day spiritual snipers this entire thing is about taking territory for the kingdom of God so we are not going to wait around for the devil to attack us we are violently advancing the kingdom of God in Antioch advancing the kingdom of God in Sacramento advancing the kingdom of God in San Jose and San Francisco the kingdom of God God suffers and the violent take it by force so when's the last time you used your weapons when's the oh I are you gonna invite me back pastor if I preach this okay he said I'm gonna invite you back I'm not soft keep preaching when's the last time you violently assaulted Satan's kingdom 
Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to build a church. And here's the thing about the church I'm building. I know Peter, a lot of people, and I'm adding to this, okay? This is, you're like, this was not in the Bible. Uh, it's not going to be a church where we have nice gyms, nice coffee shops, uh, and we shove glazed donuts in your mouth on Sunday morning. This is not going to be a cappuccino soft church uh, where everybody comes for 30 minutes. Uh, here's a five-minute watered-down offering message, uh, a 24.3-minute sermon, uh, and then we do a three-minute altar call where you invite Jesus into your heart, even though that's not in the Bible, and then everybody's saved, and we have good potlucks. Uh, I'm going to build a church, Peter. It's not going to be a sanitized church. Uh, it's not going to be a soft church. Uh, it's not going to be a complacent church. Uh, Peter, the church I'm building, it won't be a passionless church. Uh, I'm not going to build a quiet, dead, lame church. Uh, I'm going to build a church, and it's going to be so powerful. Uh, it's going to be so passionate. Uh, it's going to be so violent and expansive uh, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. Uh, here's the interesting thing to understand about the Christian. Uh, gates, as you know, uh, are not an offensive weapon. They are a defensive weapon. Nobody breaks into a house late at night and the weapon they use is a gate. Nobody comes and robs a bank with a gate and says, I'll put your hands up and what are you going to do? I'm going to put my gate up against you. A gate is a weapon or a defensive mechanism to prevent enemy forces from invading or from tearing down strongholds or tearing down territory. And so Jesus said, Peter, I'm not building a church that's going to hide out in buildings every Sunday and talk about how bad the devil is. I'm going to build a church. They're going to be like the special forces and they are going to go into the enemy's kingdom. They are going to go into the world and they are going to take back everything the devil thought he took. They are going to take back and bind the strong men. They are going to assault hell's gates. Oh yeah. They're going to be violent. Was Jesus violent? To the devil he was. To religion he was. Isaiah, why do you got to always annoy? Maybe I'm not annoying you. Maybe I'm annoying the things living on the inside of you. Maybe, maybe it's not you that's mad. Maybe it's those strongholds and those mindsets that for years you've been taught that all you have to do is check a box and give God 1% of your week for an hour on Sunday morning. But God is drafting you tonight into his army and he's saying it's time to fight for your marriage. It's time, I wish I had somebody that says give me a weapon, I'm ready for battle. I am armed and dangerous against Satan's kingdom. I've been given the power over darkness. Was Jesus violent? What did he do in Mark chapter 1? This is the very arrival of Jesus Christ. They had prophesied about Jesus Christ. Mark is the first gospel being the oldest gospel ever written. And the very first gospel, the very first chapter, Mark is deciding, what am I going to start this chapter? This is the very first time the gospel scholars say have ever been written. And Mark decides to start chapter 1. Again, this is not in my notes. This is the Holy Spirit tonight. Mark begins to decide in chapter 1, I'm going to describe the way Jesus ministered. I'm going to describe the power that Jesus had. And when Jesus showed up as the guest preacher in the synagogue, Jesus stands up and begins to preach what they had been preaching. He begins to preach from the law. And as he's preaching in the synagogue, the Pharisees were listening to this man preach. And they said, we feel like we've heard this message, but this man is preaching with some type of spiritual authority. He's not sitting back at 
Kyle, I don't really know about this. He's preaching with power. He's preaching with authority. He's preaching with boldness. He's preaching with clarity. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I'm raising up some John the Baptists in these last days that don't give a rip about what religion says, but say, I'm going to preach. Come on, real loud. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to preach with bold. Come on, don't make me come out there. I'm going to preach with boldness, and I'm not letting fear tell me what to do. No fear here. I am overcoming. What is, oh, this is good preaching. I'm going to have to give myself an offering after this. What is, what is timidity? What is the church struggling with? Timidity. What is it? It's fear. Where does it come from? Satan's kingdom. I'm sorry, for so long we're like, oh, if you have fear, we're going to pray for you and we're going to evangelize on Thursday night. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of timidity. It's actually the fear, the word fear is, is actually translated timidity. It's that, how do I describe this, Pastor? It's that, I don't really know about that. I don't really know. When you see the sick person at Walmart and you shrink back, that's timidity. When your friend at work is like, man, I've just really been struggling and I'm having these voices telling me to take my life and I really don't want to, but I'm dealing with clinical depression and anxiety and I'm having all these issues and you're like, oh yeah, and you know, and there's something in you, your stomach's turning because you know that you have the answer to every problem, you have the solution to every issue, that you have the key in your pocket, that you have power over those demons that they're dealing with, and that shrinking back, that's called timidity. That shrinking back when you're at the family reunion union and everyone's talking to you and you're not sharing about God. You're not telling them about what God is doing. That's timidity. The fact that some of you are still talking about your promotion a year later, it's like, praise the Lord, we got it. You got promoted and got a new car. Thank you, Lord. But why is it you're so good at sharing what the 49ers are doing, what the Giants are doing, what the Oakland A's are doing, with what your favorite movie's doing, the favorite show, the favorite series, and you're so passionate. Just ask yourself, okay, why am I so passionate about sharing everything but God I mean some of you guys I'm actually impressed you know the name of every player on that team I'm like, I don't even know the name of my four kids. And you know the name of every single player. And then, oh, that guy, he had 43 yards. He was on my fantasy football team. Oh, and that fighter, he's 42 and one. And, you know, he fought so-and-so last week in UFC 123. I'm like, you see who, what, why? And you're just like, you know every stat, every fighter. Come on, is it getting hot or is it just me? And you know every player. I mean, I asked some of you about The Office and you're like, oh yeah, that's on season three, episode four. I'm like, what? How did you know that? And then tonight I'm like, what about Habakkuk? And you're like, what team does he play for? What about Malachi? And you're like, Malachi? I mean, who's that? Jo the book of Job? I mean, I went there to get a job. I looked for a job, and I just, that guy's life got. And you, we just, we don't know the things of God. We're not intimate in the spirit. In fact, if we were to, and again, I'm not preaching works. I want to challenge you tonight because I'm blowing the trumpet on lazy Christianity. If we were to say, what, have I encountered God? Have I even gone in the secret place? I read this statistic yesterday, Pastor. The average American, listen to how mind-boggling this is. The average American spends, this is like data, analytics. This is not a poll. This was them getting data from your phone. If you don't know, they could do that, okay? They're listening to us, praise the Lord. If you didn't know, but they took the average screen time, and they said across all these users in America, the average time, would you just guess what the average time an American spends on their phone is? Seven hours. 
don't lie. Y'all, y'all like, I spent nine today. I mean, I was on TikTok for three straight. And you said, you're all, you're like shocked. Oh, what? No way. And your screen time is nine hours a day. Don't be shocked. Seven hours a day. And then they did a poll on the average Christian, how much time they spend in prayer. One to three minutes a day. And pastor, we're going, God, why haven't you changed Antioch? God, why haven't you changed Manteca? Why haven't you changed Tracy? Why haven't you, and why haven't you broken? And God says, because the church is delusional. You know what delusion is? It means you believed a lie. We believe the fact that we can be lazy, spend seven hours a day on Instagram, Netflix, YouTube Premium, you, you, Hulu, this and that, and every Disney Plus, and this, this, and every social media platform, hours and hours and hours. And then at the end of the night, we're like, hey, God, how's it going? Um, I don't know if you heard, but my neighbor's house got broken into a couple days ago. So would you do me a big one and just make sure you put your angels around my house? And would you make sure? And, and then, you know, in the morning, we're like, oh, yeah, I got to really just pray before I eat, take the calories out of my meal. And our, our prayer lives, I'm preaching to myself, y'all. If y'all are like, oh, you must, is he talking to me? The reason why I took my glasses off is because I can't even see you. You all look like SpongeBob to me. Okay, I can't see you. You're like, he's looking right at me. I knew he saw my Facebook post. I'm not looking at you. I'm just telling you, hear the word of the Lord that that God is calling a remnant that says, I'm giving God more time than my social media. I'm giving God more energy than I'm giving some team or some game. Come on, we need some men that will line up for prayer instead of line up for the UFC. We need some men that will give to the offering instead of buying the pay-per-view. I wish I had some men of God that say, devil, I got weapons tonight, and my weapons are not carnal. My weapons are supernatural and I am a violent Christian get out of here with that whole soft Christianity well brother I just don't really know if we're supposed to engage in spiritual warfare the good thing is it don't matter what you know it matters what the Bible says and Jesus said in Matthew 10 go out don't wait in here we're not waiting for the devil we're not waiting for spiritual warfare we're not hiding out go out and preach the gospel go out and heal the sick go out and drive out devils well are you going to teach us no i'm just going to tell you to go you've been given power it's not that hard just command them to leave in jesus name but here's what you're not going to do you are not going to sit around and act like you don't know what you're supposed to do you are not going to sit around and let timidity now what is timidity it's a demonic spirit how do you know this Isaiah because the Bible says God has not given us the spirit wait what how what do you mean spirit are you because oh that's just fear we're not supposed to be afraid don't be scared of COVID God has not given us a spirit of fear that's not what it's saying it's saying the fact that we're shy we're timid and we don't go out and do what God's called us to do that's actually from a spirit now we know there's three ways three different types of spirit there's the Holy Spirit come on the Holy Spirit has not given you fear there's demonic spirits which Jesus challenged in every city he went to and then there are angelic spirits and God goes okay well the angels work for me according to Hebrews chapter one they are the ministers to the heirs of salvation and God says it's not an angel making you timid because angels are a part of my kingdom I'm not the one making you the way that you are so it must be coming from a demonic source and you have to recognize that it's not your personality to be timid and fearful it's a spirit and tonight we are breaking the back of every fearful spirit that you will be bold as a lion in Jesus name 
name, there will be no spirit of fear in this church. We are going to be bold. We are going to be radical. And we're not asking the devil's permission. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Some of you are like, well, you know, God, if you do, and God's like, go take it by force. You don't have to keep praying for something I've already given you the power for. Lord, I just pray right now, deliver my three-year-old. And you pray every day, Lord, deliver my five-year-old. Lord, deliver my seven-year-old. Lord, deliver my 10-year-old. And God says, what are you praying for? I've given you all power and all authority. I gave you authority over demonic powers. I've given you authority over stronghold. I've given you the weapons of warfare. They're not carnal. You've been given the armor of God. You're in a wrestling match, according to Ephesians 6, against spiritual powers. And you have the answer to everything you're asking God about. That's why that Jesus came and told the disciples I want you to pray and here's what I want you to pray I want you to pray that the Lord would send out laborers into the harvest pray to the Lord of the harvest pray to the God of the harvest and pray that he would send for the laborers here's what Jesus was saying I want you to pray for yourself that you get off of your lazy butt and you would and Jesus didn't say but okay like where's that in the scripture but get up off your laziness and go and do the works I've called you to do. Don't be praying for your neighbor. Pray that God would give you the boldness to go knock on their door and say, have you heard the good news that God can heal? God can deliver. God can change. I wish I had somebody with a memory that says, I remember when God delivered me. I I haven't always been this way. I remember when God saved me and so I do it to them because he did it for me Isaiah why are you passionate about healing because I'm healing's number one candidate why are you passionate about deliverance because I was delivered and set free after getting saved after getting full of the Holy Spirit Isaiah why are you into the whole repentance thing because the Bible says God is calling all men everywhere to repent Isaiah why are you always preaching on hell and judgment because Jesus said there is a real place of eternal fire where the worm never dies and there are people right now in hell shaking their fist at you sit down sit down I want you to think about this There's somebody in hell right now. Every single one of us, no friends and family that have gone to hell, undeniable. They did not know Jesus. They rejected God. And you sat at their funeral where a pastor lied and said they were a great person and they're resting in peace. There is no rest in hell. There is no RIP for those that don't know God. We all have friends or family that are burning in a real lake of fire. And I'm wondering, when does this reality keep us up at night? When does this burden keep us up at night? And what are they thinking and doing in hell? Well, the Bible makes it clear. They know what was happening on earth they know about their life on earth and they're shaking their fist saying why didn't you tell me about the God that you worshiped every Sunday how is it possible that you kept from me the life-changing force of the Holy Spirit how is it possible that day in and day out that we walk by people that are on their way to the lake of fire Jesus said the torment is so intense that they gnash their teeth that there's weeping and there's wailing in a canyon of fire and the only way out is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life and nobody comes to the Father. When are we going to get a burden to preach the gospel? It's not okay that my family remains demonized after tonight. 
It's not okay that my family remains lost, not on my watch. I'm going to open up my mouth. There is no, nothing in my life worth not opening my mouth up about the God. Oh, I just don't have the time. Stop lying. Everybody has 168 hours in the week. Be honest. God is just not your priority. We need a priority adjustment in the body of Christ. We need boldness back in the body of Christ. We need courage back in the body of Christ. I refuse to let the devil roam free. I refuse to let the devil live in the church rent free. We are calling him out in Jesus name. We are making every demon homeless tonight in Jesus name. I will not let the church be a comfortable place for demons and an uncomfortable place for the Holy Spirit. Comfortable. Demons are not afraid in our church services. They come right in and they listen to the word. They're like great preaching. Just keep coming every week, but don't change. Here's what the devil's not afraid of. The devil is not afraid of you falling over. He actually doesn't care that you fall over. He cares that you change. I'm as Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal, y'all. I mean, I fall. I, I cry. I speak in tongues more than all y'all, okay? I'm all into it. I love the fire. I love deliverance. I love miracles. Put oil on my head. Praise the Lord. I love all of it. But let me tell you something. I refuse to see people week in and week out pray in tongues but gossip in English. I refuse to watch people week in and week out that are falling over at the altar but still watching pornography every night. I refuse to keep pouring oil on the same people. Some of you got more oil on you than the chicken at Chick-fil-A and God is saying to you tonight it's time to change what really gives the devil a migraine is when you say I'm not going back to those drugs I'm not going back to that alcohol I'm not going back to that addiction I'm not playing church or religion oh yeah somebody's getting set free from religion tonight somebody's getting set free from status quo tonight somebody's getting ready to fight back the devil's never met a Christian like you. The devil's never met a Christian that's going to look him in the face and say, come out in Jesus' name. We have 1,500 people all over the world right now that are casting out demons as I speak. They're all over the world. They're doing deliverance. They're going out. They're baptizing people. They're laying hands on people. And the kingdom of God is advancing not through a celebrity, not through a preacher, not through a social media influencer. They are The kingdom of God is advancing because there is an army that does not want a pacifier anymore, that doesn't want the pastor to change their diaper anymore, but says, give me a sword and give me a shovel because I am going to work and I am going to do damage on Satan and his kingdom. I am going to wreak havoc. Devil, you've never met a Christian like me. I'm going to be in your nightmares tonight, Satan. The spirit of fear is going to pray it gets delivered from me. The spirit of fear needs an Isaiah Saldivar vaccine because I'm not playing. I'm not playing. People always say, well, brother, I've been in church my whole life. Has anybody ever prayed for you and called that demon out of you? Well, no. So why are we not challenging Satan then? Why are we okay with divorce being normal in the church? Why are we okay with schizophrenia being normal in the church? Why are we, my kiddos ABC and OCD and ADD and ADHD? And the, and the pastor is like, oh, you know, well, well, take him to a counselor. Take him to a therapist. Do you think Jesus would say that? When the boy brought his son to Jesus and said, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. And they couldn't do nothing to help him. One day God said, that will be the church on judgment day. 
The world will stand before God on judgment day and say, we brought our sick to your church and your church can heal them. We brought our demonized to your church and your church can deliver and your church can, and your church, you know the Bible says the church gets judged before the world. So there will be no excuse when the world gets judged because God will have already dealt. The Bible says the judgment starts in the house of God. If you think that Jesus is a daisy banner, a little riding a unicorn, the Bible says that there is a Jewish man that is coming back on a war horse with robes dripping in the blood of his enemies. I want you to think about this. At the end of the tribulation, there will be a man named the Antichrist who will be the most powerful force in the world. And the Bible says that he will gather all the nations and all the armies and every army and ruler in the world will gather together at Armageddon to fight the Lord and his anointed. They will gather to battle God. And the Bible says in out of heaven a loud trumpet blares and a man returns on a white horse and behind him riders on white horses with pure garments. I don't know if you know this but that's you and that's me. We are coming back with the Lord and the Bible says a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit louder. The Bible says this. Think about this. All the armies this is like, you're talking about Russia, China, every army, United States, every ruler and every king is going to give their power to the Antichrist. This is a guy that will raise the dead. This is a guy that the worlds will say, who can stop the Antichrist and his army? This is the guy that, say, that they say, not even the Lord can stop him. And the Lord comes back on a war horse. He's not going to come back and join our nice conferences. He's not going to come back and join our lukewarm church services. He is coming back to declare in all out war on the kingdoms of this world and this is what the Bible says in the climax of human history at the end of the seven year tribulation period Jesus doesn't lift a finger the Bible says and at that place called Armageddon that out of the breath of his mouth he will slay the Antichrist the false prophet and the beast and he will throw them into the fiery lake of burning sulfur for all of eternity there is coming a day where the devil will be defeated eternally that you are on the winning side that God has marked you come on help me tonight God has marked you and God has called you for such a time as this so what is this whole I'm just a weak Christian I'm just some dead Christian no you're not that's what American churches told you. You are mighty in God. You have power. The Bible says you're not a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. That you have supernatural power against the enemy. That you're able to change atmospheres and the spirit. That you've been given authority over powers and over principalities. That you have weapons of warfare. In the Bible, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this reason the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of darkness. You have been called as Christ on the earth. The Bible calls you Christ's ambassador on the earth. That when you make appeals to men, it's as if God was speaking through you, appealing men to come back to him. You've been called as a representative of a spiritual kingdom on the earth. Jesus said when you pray, pray to our Father. He's not just your Father. He's our Father. And pray that the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done. This is about 
about establishing a government on the earth. This is about taking territory and saying, I am not okay with the gangs running the city. The kingdom of God will run the city in Jesus' name. I am not okay with watching people die, not on my watch. So Jesus gets up. I don't know how long I have, but praise the Lord. They're looking at me and shouting, so I think I'm okay. Jesus begins to preach in the synagogue. This is his first public message. This is his first public sermon. This is his first time in the synagogue. They'd read about him. They'd tell him, and he starts prophesying. He starts talking about himself. The one that was life, that gave life, that spoke life, begins to preach. The Pharisees are scratching their head, saying, this guy has power. This guy has authority. There's something in the supernatural. I don't really know what it is I'm feeling, but I'm feeling a shift in the supernatural. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his preaching, a man starts manifesting a demon. See, before that, nobody was manifesting no one was being no demons were being challenged but when anointed preaching happens when the presence of God shows up it makes demonic spirits uncomfortable maybe that's why you're feeling uncomfortable because there's a critter on board I said there is a critter on board and God is driving it out tonight Jesus said when I drive out demons it's by the spirit of God and by the finger of God and the biblical way for God's kingdom to be established is through deliverance where's that Jesus said it not me Jesus said, if you want to know how to establish the kingdom of God, if you're tired of going back and forth to the world, I don't know about you, but I see these people, and they're one day they're in, and one day they're out, and one day they're on fire, and one day they're not, and there's this constant wrestling match on the inside of them, and God says, for this reason I've been manifest, to destroy Satan's work, but it was for freedom that Christ set you free, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed, but see, understand that in Matthew 10, when Jesus sent out the 12, and Luke 10, when Jesus sent out the 72 and mark 16 where he enlists the entire church he did not say well I'll just preach to them and then they're going to get saved and they'll be fine he did not say well just you know in acts chapter 8 well philip just go preach you don't have to do anything just preach and then do an altar call invite them tell them to invite me into their heart and they'll be fine no jesus said i want you to go out and i actually want you to cast demons out i actually want you to lay hands on the sick who's called to do this every single believer according to Mark 16, 17. This is a sign that I believe. A sign is that God has done it for me. This is what Jesus told the disciples when he sent them out. He said, freely you have been given. I want you to go freely give. Me ministering to people is a result of God ministering to me. The reason why I preach with boldness, the reason why I preach with passion is because 11 years ago, I was an atheist in my own mind. And I stumbled into a church just like this. And I said, I'm never coming back to church after tonight. And the audible voice of God said, wake up my church. And God delivered me. And God saved me. And God set me free. And now I got to tell everybody about the God that I serve. I got to tell everybody about the power of God. I've been delivered. I've been healed. I am grateful. If we're not sharing, maybe he hasn't done it. Maybe, maybe the reason why we don't share our faith is because we're still in bondage. Maybe it's because we're worshiping but still in Egypt. Remember, remember what Pharaoh said? He said, oh, Moses, you know, you could take him out. This is what he told Moses. He starts negotiating with Moses, Moses being the deliverer of the Old Testament. He said, you could take the people out, and you know what? 
Pastor, they could worship, they could sacrifice, and they can do everything they want to do, and I'll be fine with it, okay? But as long as you come back after you're done, as long as after Sunday morning's out, you go right back to Egypt, and you live your life in the world, and you live your life in bondage to the movies, the music, the culture. Romans chapter 12 says we are called to give our bodies to God, and Moses had a choice. He was either going to compromise and accept the devil's deal, or he was going to say, wait a minute. The word of God was not that I could worship and praise and then come back to Egypt after. The word of God was, I am bringing you out for good. I am delivering you for good. And I am raising you up. Here's what I see. Again, this was not in my notes. I didn't have any of this planned. I see a house in Antioch that are full of deliverers that are going to go into the harvest and are going to deliver those in bondage. Going to lay hands on those that are sick. Going to begin to make the disciples. We can't keep waiting on just the pastor. He has equipped us and he has trained us to do the work of the ministry. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. Let me, listen, if you unfollow me, I love you, okay? If you don't like me after this, it's okay. I got my dad here, my mom here, my friends. Praise the Lord, front row. They're going to still like me after this. The issue is not the message. The issue is who's the message falling on. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus identifies the problem, why there's no fruit growing in seeds. He goes, the reason why, have you ever wondered why there's no fruit in your life? I've wondered, God, why is there no fruit in this area of my life? And he identifies that the preaching of the gospel is attributed to the scattering of seeds. And the word of God goes out as the seed. And the Bible says the very first person, soil, being people, the very first type of person that's going to sit in our churches, the seed falls on the footpath. And the Bible says that the devil who is the bird he comes and steals the word after it's preached and prevents them from believing and prevents them from being saved let me give you a news flash tonight it is not God tonight preventing you from believing what I'm preaching it is not God making you timid it is the devil who comes the Bible says and tries to steal the word you got to be determined tonight that I am not letting the devil steal the word that God is giving me at Rice Conference. I am not letting the bird rob me of the word. Devil, I am playing that game tonight. This word is going to produce fruit. This word is going to grow. Immediately, when you walk out of this building, you know, it's, it's so great. I love these meetings. I love revival. I traveled for 100,000 to 150,000 miles a year for almost 10 years. I was gone almost every weekend. I preached in probably close to 500 churches. I gave my life for 10 years to traveling. Praise the Lord. Now I only preach once a month. I got last year 400 invites. I took five. I'm not interested. I'm not looking for a platform, a stage, a promotion. I'm not looking for a mic. If you know me and my wife would tell you, I would rather be up in the sound booth right now hiding. I'm not interested. I could care less about followers. I could care less about likes. I don't even like social media, to be honest, even though that's what I do my whole life on is social media. I'm letting you know I don't care. I will tell you right now, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because there was a seed that was deposited in my life, and I begin to protect that seed. I begin to say, nothing's going to stop God. I love these meetings, but you got to understand that it's not enough that we shout in here. It's not enough that we praise in here. When I leave this place, is that seed going to still be? there. When I walk out of those doors, am I going to forget everything? The Bible says in James, deception is like a man that looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. 
And what is it talking about? It's talking about coming to services just like this, where I'm preaching, and you're feeling the conviction. I'm convicting myself, y'all. And, and I'm putting the Word of God up to you like this. And the Word of God's a mirror, the Bible says. It's a mirror in the sense that if you have dirt on your face or oil on your face or a blemish on your face, and you go look in the mirror, is the mirror going to reach out and wipe the blemish off? Is the mirror going to reach out and clean you? No, it doesn't do that. The mirror's job is not to clean you. The mirror's job is to show you what's there so that you can wipe it off. That's why the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's why Jesus said to strive to enter through the narrow gate. That's why Jesus said you got to choose to walk on the narrow road. That's why Jesus said I've given you power and authority. I'm not going to make you do it. That's why the Bible does not say to crucify the devil. It says to crucify you because you're the issue. You are, friend, please, again, I don't have glasses on, so if you're like, he was staring at me the whole service, honey, I don't like him anymore, just please hear me. Email me, I'll delete it before I read it. Just please hear me tonight, please. Please. The one standing in the way of God doing everything he wants to do in your life is not God. It's not the pastor. We love blaming the pastor. Oh, I'm just not being fed here. Listen, I got a two-year-old that could feed herself. I'm, I'm, let me say it again. I got a three-year-old that could go up, get in the fridge, climb up on a table, would get the milk out, go get the cereal. I'm telling you, my three-year-old, she will get the milk out, the cereal out, sit at the table before we're even awake. She will pour a full bowl of cereal, turn on her favorite show, and she will sit there when we get up in the morning. She's eating a bowl of cereal, three years old, eating a bowl of cereal bigger than her head, watching her favorite show before I even get out of bed. And you're going to come up here and say, oh, pastor didn't feed me this morning. I'm so scared. I need someone to, only babies need to be fed. Peter, feed my lambs feed my sheep but there comes a time where you say I'm a grown man I'm taking the kitty I'm getting out of the kiddie pool I'm taking the floaties off and I'm getting the word that pastor preaches and that thing is going to grow and I'm going to produce I'm going to produce real fruit some of y'all got fruit it's just artificial my my mom for we were moving years ago, I think it was when we had just two kids, and we, I lived with my mom for a few months while we were moving into a different house, and she had fake fruit on the table. And I'm telling you, that fake fruit, it looked real. I mean, you would never know the difference. If you put the fruit next to real fruit, you'd never know the difference. It was until you got really close and you tested the fruit. It was until you tried taking a bite in the fruit. It was until you tried grabbing the fruit. See, from a distance, some of y'all look good. Shonda, Rondo, shoulda bought a Honda, but about a cow. I mean, you could, you could prophesy, you decree, you declare, but how does your prayer life look like? How, how do you treat other people? The Bible says you'll know a, tr a tree by its fruit, and so you'll know people by their actions. That is why, does not the Bible say, if you have faith, but you don't have works, the faith you claim to have is dead, and it can't save you. It's not enough. Are oh, you preaching works, brother? Can, can you hear what I'm trying to say? It's not enough that you say, Jesus is in my heart. Prove it. Here's what Paul said. Prove that you're among those God has called and chosen. Don't be walking around here and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Why am I a Christian? Well, because at seventh grade, I prayed at band camp that Jesus would come into my heart. But there was no life change. Jesus said there has to be evidence in your life that you lived a different. There has to be change in your life. I can't just walk around saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't just want to say I'm a Christian. I want to be a Christian. The Bible says there will be many that say, Lord, 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 did we not prophesy and do miracles and drive out devils? They will declare with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And here's what he's going to say. 
depart from me. I never knew you. You were doing, come on, friend, what if this is you tonight? And I've, I've fallen into this. You were doing everything in the name of me, but when's the last time you spent time with me? When's the last time? Just, you don't have to raise your hand. When's the last time? Just, again, I want to be so nice because I do want to come back. There's a straight fire here. I love this, okay? You guys are family. I'm Hispanic. You're Hispanic. I'm Italian. Some of you, praise the Lord, okay? We're family. Hispanics, we all, we all related. I know some of you are related to my cousin somewhere in San Jose, okay? We're all, we all came from the same place. I, I need you to hear something here. When's the last time? In the last 30 days. I'm being nice because I would usually, if I was at my church, I'd say a week. But the last 30 days where you shut your phone off and you shut the door of your mind and you got alone with God in the secret place and you spent, I'm going to be nice, 30 minutes and said, God, I have no agenda. I just know that Jesus said that the Father lives in the secret place, but the geographical location of God on the earth is the secret place. And God, I really need you. I'm not a good husband without you. I'm not a good father without you. I'm not a good preacher without you. I can't heal. I can't deliver. I can't save. I can't do anything without you. And Lord, I don't want to do everything in the name of you and not know you. So Lord, I'm coming before you and I'm asking you to change me. I'm asking you to wash me. Lord, I praise you. I need you. Please show. And you just got alone with God. When's the last time in the last 30 days? We can't. Seven hours a day. Seven hours a day. Who do you think wants us on our phone all day long? Do you know why? I won't go a whole message because I don't have time to preach on the dangers of social media. Do you know why our head is down all day long? Because the Bible says the devil's the prince of the air. The devil's up here. The devil's not down here. So if the devil can keep you distracted looking down, you'll never engage in warfare with him. You'll never challenge him. You'll never take authority over him. And God is saying it's time to open up your eyes. The harvest is plentiful. I'm tired of living my life on a screen. I want to live my life for the kingdom of God it is time the very first seed this is the person I'm almost done five more Pentecostal minutes the very first person type the very first person type the word gets stolen so the question is has the devil stolen the prophetic word God has given me when I leave this place am I hearing it going I really got to change this is what James says you look at the mirror and go I really got to wipe that off but you forget to wipe it off and week after week you look in the mirror and say I really got to change I really got to stop I really need God I really I'm at another revival meeting another service more seed planted and then you keep leaving and you're never growing because you're letting the enemy come in and talk you out of revival you're letting the enemy say oh well you know that preacher he talks way too fast he didn't even bring up notes he didn't have a powerpoint he's super crazy and loud my ears are burning and he's telling him to turn it up more and that guy and so you know you don't really and maybe that's his calling but that's not everybody's calling and you know that radical stuff I don't really know about that I mean does it take all that these are voices of the enemy trying to stop you from your God-given destiny and tonight I come against every spirit that would try to stop the word I come against every demonic force that would try to shut you down Bear there will be fruit in Jesus' name. I'm not letting the word die. I'm going to let this word grow into something. Second group. Second group. Second problem with why there's no fruit. He says the, the seed lands on, on the rocky soil. And here's what the people do. They love the preaching. And they shout and they stand and they go, great word, Isaiah. And you love it. And you come for a few weeks. 
and a few months, and then you sit in the front row, and you're like, I'm the first one at the altar, then you get in the third row, then you're in the fifth row, and then it's like, man, you are so in love. You're, the pastor was your wallpaper. I mean, you're like, I'll do anything, pastor. I'm here at the church plunging the toilets. I mean, I'm loyal. I'm dedicated now. It's like, well, you know, I can't make it to prayer because I just got that new job, and the boss is calling, and you know, I just got that new house, and we're really behind on the bills, and now you're in the seventh row, eighth row. Now we can't even get you to sit still, and you got to pee every five minutes, and you got a coffee in your hand every time, and you got to latte but no bible you're showing up 15 minutes late and you were you were the second one you were excited at first but the bible says because the seeds roots never grew deep you never went deep in god you never developed a prayer time you never developed a bible reading time you never started a lifestyle of fasting you were just kind of like there in the service excited about god it says that when temptation comes that that person falls away see friend we we can't be those that have shallow roots. How do I know if my roots are shallow? You don't have a prayer life. How do I know my roots are shallow? You don't fast on a regular basis. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at what Jesus said. How do I know if I have shallow roots? Because you're always offended by about somebody. I just don't know why he always has to be out there shouting. I don't know why the lights are so bright. I don't know why the screen's so big. I mean, you're just always, it's always, no one could, nothing's ever right for you. You're so opinionated. Instead of praying for your pastor, you pray on your pastor. It's like you're not even at having Applebee's for lunch. You're having your pastor for lunch. And you're just gossiping. It's always something. And you have these shallow roots. And there's never depth in God. See, but when you get deep roots, you go, I don't care if my boyfriend walks away. I don't care if my girlfriend leaves the faith. I don't care if my family abandons me. I don't care if my boss fires me. I don't care if I get stage four cancer. I don't care if I'm up in the hospital on my last breath. God, I will praise you and I will serve you because I consider these present trials nothing in comparison to the glory that's laid before me. I need your spirit. Come on, somebody's roots are growing. Somebody's getting out of the kiddie pool. Somebody's taking off the floaties and going deep in God. I will not fall when temptation comes. I mean, really? A website is going to get you off track? Friend, really? Guys come to me. You know, I'm just struggling, brother. I'm like, okay. I tell him, what was your struggle? Well, you know, I'm really struggling with pornography. Okay, so what are you struggling with? Well, you know, what part of you getting on your computer at 2 in the morning or midnight, clicking on there, typing on the keyboard, and sitting there for 30 minutes, what part of that is a struggle? You turned on your computer, you typed in the website, and you sat there. You're not struggling. You're giving in to temptation because your roots aren't deep. Because you're excited about the revival, but you never fully surrender and let the Holy Spirit transform you from the inside out. And let me say this. Deliverance is not a substitute for discipline. I cannot cast a bad sleep schedule out of you. I cannot cast a bad diet. I don't know why I'm always tired because you eat jack-in-the-box four times a day because you're at midnight getting jack-in-the-box tacos with extra cheese. That's why you're always tired. you got to begin to understand that I can't cast out the fact that you don't fast. People are like, brother, I need more deliverance. I'm like, man, I've cast out a whole legion out of you. 
This is your night deliverance. And listen, I love people getting free. I'm deliverance, okay? I love it. It's biblical. Jesus did it. He taught us. He did it. Mark 138. He went from synagogue or Mark 139. Synagogue to synagogue. Casting of devils. I believe in this, but I don't believe in coming for deliverance nine times and never developing a prayer life. And never. And I ask people all the time, okay, you're on your ninth deliverance. Do you pray every day? Well. Do you fast? Well. Do you read your Bible? Well. Do you sow into the church? Well. Are you involved in your church? Well. I mean, well, well, well. Well, what? You're not, the issue is not a demon. The issue is shallow roots. And we need deep roots in God because we are in the last days and the trials are coming. Friend, we are living in the last moments of human history. I was in the barbershop. Uh, I don't know what day was it, two days ago, three days ago, and there's a whole bunch of guys there that are not Christian. I mean, I go to a real barbershop, okay, where you could get everything. Let's just say that. And I'm in the barbershop, and they're all like, man, what's going on? This was the day after Russia, or the night after Russia invaded, and they're all like, you're a pastor? Is the world ending? I'm like, yep. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? They're like, you're a man of God. And you're, I said, oh, yeah, the world's ending soon, y'all. I said, y'all better get right before you get left. And they're like, and that was when I was walking out. I was like, peace. I was like, I'll see you hopefully next week. For real, y'all, the world is asking the church, is the world ending? And the answer is absolutely. These are the signs of the times, and this is not the time to be asleep. This is not the time to play church. This is the church's defining moment to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm. Do I have any Christians that are wide awake? Do I have any Christians that got a shout and a praise? Come on, worship team. Come on, come on. Put some pressure on me. I'll keep going for another hour if you guys don't pressure me. So start doing something so I feel pressured to end. The roots are... Third one, watch this. This is to me where most of us are in this room. Again, it's not the pastor's problem. There's no fruit in your life. The third one is this. The, the seed falls like it's falling tonight, and it gets choked out by three things. The riches, the cares, and the pleasures of life. For some of you, it's not the devil stopping revival. It's your children's soccer schedule. Well, my son, you know, he's a star quarterback. He could throw a ball, but could he cast out a devil? Before my, listen, before my kids are good in the eyes of the world, are they good in the kingdom of God? Before I spend weeks planning my Disneyland, I'm, I'm, my mind's blown by the fact that you will spend two weeks planning your Disneyland vacation, but spend zero time planning for eternity. Oh, what car am I going to get? What hotel am I going to stay? Overpay for everything. $9 churro. What? But when's the last time you sat down with your family and said, we need a plan for eternity. Where are we spending forever? Pastors ask me all the time, so what's your five-year plan? And my response is, what's your 150-year plan? Five years? I'm not planning for the next 10 years. I'm planning for the next 1,000 years. Uh, five, 401k, what does your heavenly bank account look like? Because some of us are rich in the eyes of man, but poor in the eyes of God. He says to the lukewarm church, you say you're in need of nothing. You're rich in your eyes, but I say you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Friend, this seed is not choked out by the devil. It's not choked out by a demon. It's not choked out by shallow roots. It's choked out because life is so busy, you don't have time for God. 
in the midst of your eight-hour work, in the midst of your four practices, three band, I got to take them to practice on Friday. They have football, they have cheerleading, they have this, they have soccer, they have this, and then we got to go to there, then we have our, our Friday vacation, and then we got to have movie night on Saturday, then we got to go once a month here, and we got to do this and this, and you know, we got to have pleasure, so we got to go to the nice places and eat nice stuff and drive nice cars. I love all of it. It's all good, but is it choking out revival in your life? Because your schedule, to be honest, it's too full for God. You actually don't have time for God. That's your problem. Because you say, God, I want to move. I want you to move. And God goes, where do you want me to move? I have got on planes and flew across the entire country. So is Z and so is Matt. And we get to churches and they say, brother, we're so excited you're here. We want revival. I'm like, all right, let's do this. You want revival? Praise the Lord. Let's have it. And they go, okay, here's the, here's the order of service. I think those, they call them run sheets. I think the run sheets, all right, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to get in trouble. And some of you are like, we have run sheets. The devil loves them. Let me just say that. That's a nice way for me to say it. Because we schedule God into our services. And so a pastor handed me a run sheet. One of my pastors says, the run sheet has the runs. He said, I hate them. Okay. Anyway, that's a whole nother joke. He hands me the run sheet. I flew all the way across the country. Left my family and kids. Praise the Lord. And he said, okay. We literally, I'm not lying. This is what the schedule was. We have three minutes of fast songs. Two minute, two, a two minute slow song. We have an offering for 2.5, which I was like, what is a 0.5 of a minute? Is that 30 seconds? Two point, no joke. And you have 22.5 minutes. I'm like, wait, what? 22, these people have been all week long in the world letting the devil tell them what to do. And you have 22.5 minutes to get, and then four minutes of the altar. And we gotta hurry because we got the next service coming in. So we gotta, so do it like In-N-Out Burgers. Like however In-N-Out does it, can you do that? And I told the pastor, I said, where is God at? Wait, wait. You want God, but show me in your schedule where you are. Oh, we want the wind. Where? Do you want it before the two-minute offering or after the three-minute altar call? Do you want it before we invite Jesus into our hearts, or do you want it after everybody runs out of the church so we can get the next service in? Friend, we are too busy for the move of God. There's no room for Christ to be born in our lives. The inn is full. I got practice. This was the third seed, fourth seed. The seed falls, and it falls on good soil. And the Bible says these people, they have endurance, and they produce fruit. Here's what the Bible is saying. The problem is not God. The problem is not Isaiah's preaching tonight. The problem is not your pastor. I know some of you go to churches that are dead, 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 dead. That, you know, like Lazarus is like, that's dead. The problem is not your pastor. The problem is you have no relationship with God outside the church. Listen to this. Four four soils that are possibly, you could be four, one of four, 75% of the people that hear the message will not produce anything. Is that good math? One out of four? One out of four in the church are the good soil. I refuse to be a part of the 75, in America, 95% of Christians that come and get babysat on Sunday morning, stand on your feet, but never produce fruit. Here's what God says. I know this is all over the board. It's okay. Okay, you invited me. Praise the Lord. If you wanted a nice, cute message, you would have invited somebody else. Here's what I want to say tonight. I am not going to let the spirit of fear, I am not going to let the spirit of timidity muzzle me any longer. Are we living? I had a whole message on the last days. Go watch it on YouTube someday, okay? Maybe in a month I'll have it up. I will not live in the last days and act like I have so much time. Young people, look at me. You have zero time to go out to parties and play around. Now, you might be a young person in this room, and you say, Isaiah, if I don't drink... If I don't do drugs, if I don't have sex under, before marriage, if I don't live in the world, I'm going to miss out. 
And my answer to you is, you are going to miss out. You are. If, listen to me, young people. If you don't drink, if you don't smoke, if you don't cuss, and if you don't sleep around, you're going to miss out. You are going to miss out on depression. You are going to miss out on anxiety. You're going to miss out on fear. You're going to miss out on heartbreak. You're going to miss out on demons. You're going to miss out on, but the Bible says, do not forget the Lord in the excitement of your youth. There is a remnant of young people that are rising up as last day warriors that say, devil, you can't have me. You will not have Gen Z because God is raising up a violent army. God is raising up relentless prayer warriors in these last days. Here's what the Lord's doing. He's drafting us tonight. He's calling us tonight as soldiers. We are asking you, is there healing tonight? Yes, and prayer team. Is this a prayer team over here? Prayer team, get, get armed and ready. Get armed and ready. Why don't, prayer team, why don't you line up here at the front of the altar? Why don't you just line up? That would be perfect. Just come over here. Line up all across here. Because we're going to war tonight. Will God heal tonight? Of course he will. Will God deliver tonight? Of course he will. But here's what God is saying tonight. I am drafting you into my army tonight. No wounded soldiers, says the Lord. No wounded soldiers. God, I need to get healed so that I can work for you properly. God, I need to get delivered so that I can work for you properly. Here's what we're not going to do. Please, this is absolutely important. We are not going to wait for Isaiah Salabar to pray for us. We are not, listen, listen, everybody needs to listen to me. I know a lot of you came from YouTube and all that. I love you. Thank you. We are not going to line up and wait for a man of God. That celebrity Christianity, we got, that was over within the 90s. Thank you, Lord. This is about the army of God, not a celebrity, not a special speaker. These people here have the same spirit and the same anointing God has given me. So please, it is a slap in the face to me if you don't let them pray for you and you wait for me. Because chances are I'm not going to get to all of you. Will I minister? Yes. Will I pray? Yes. But do not huddle around me. Do not line up. Do not grab my shirt. I am nobody special. The only thing I've ever saved is $100 a month switching to Geico. I can't save you. I can't. Listen, I'm not Jesus. I'm just his representative. So please don't idolize me. Every eye closed tonight. Father, we need your Holy Spirit so bad. Father, this is such a pivotal, this may be the most important service that we've ever had because of the times that we're living in. Father, we pray tonight, Lord, wake us up in this house. God, open up our spiritual eyes. Lord, we want to fight with weapons of warfare. We don't want to play church, God. I pray tonight that there would be repentance and the fear of the Lord that would sweep upon this place. Lord, we repent, come on, for our laziness. We repent for our compromise. Lord, deliver us from the spirit of fear. Deliver us from the spirit of timidity. We come against every unclean spirit. We come against every unclean power. Satan, we put you on notice that you have been defeated in Jesus' name. And we command every demonic power to be homeless in Jesus' name. We command every demonic spirit to flee in Jesus' name. The Lord himself rebukes you, Satan, that this is a house of freedom. This is a house of deliverance. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of worship. This is a house of praise. This is a house of prayer. Come on, if you need a touch, come out of your chair tonight and say, Lord, I need your power. I need your anointing. I'm being drafted tonight. Say yes tonight.
I am not because there is power in the name of Jesus and I've chosen to believe in it I have chosen to put my trust in it amen how many people here today declare that there is power in the name of Jesus we are here because we are a product of Jesus of his wonder working power amen of his miracle working power and it is only by his grace that we are here today amen So I just, I I challenge you right now, as we are here finishing up this conference, that you would begin to believe in the power. Because although you can say it, if you are saying it out of a dead faith, out of a wavering faith, nothing is going to move. It comes from faith, because faith is what moves mountains, amen? So right now we declare that chains of depression are breaking off, amen? Generational chains perhaps of perversion are breaking off. Generational chains of mental illness are breaking off in the name of Jesus. Generational chains of addiction are breaking off in the name of Jesus, amen? We will not leave no longer with the curse, with the chains that bondage us, that enslave us, but Jesus has called us to higher things, to higher ways, amen? So we put our trust in you, Lord. We put our faith in you, Jesus. Lord, that not one soul would leave this place today, God, enchained, enslaved to the lies of the enemy, but that today a new generation would rise up, that there would be an enlisting to the army of God that would say, yes, Lord, we believe in your mighty working power. We believe in the name of Jesus. We believe in the power that your name holds. We believe in the way of glory that it holds. Amen. We glorify you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Jesus. Let's declare chains are breaking. Let's continue to declare. Come on. I hear the chains falling. Come on, I want everybody to sing it. Come on, let's go. Loud, come on. I hear. Come on, people are still being prayed on. Come on, I want the church to say, I hear the chains falling. Yes, I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. Come on, one more time. With all your might, come on, sing it tonight. And I hear the chains falling. We sing tonight and declare over the city of Antioch. I hear the chains falling. I come to 